Would you like an opinion on a financial matter you're dealing with? Whether it's about retirement, investments, taxes, or 401ks, Scott Hansen and Pat McLean would like to help you by answering your call to join Allworth's Money Matters. Call now at 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-99-WORTH. Welcome to Allworth's Money Matters. Scott Hansen. Pat McLean. Uh, doing a best of uh, recording today with uh, some of our best calls we had for 2022, given it's Christmas time. And um, so I hope you enjoy some of these calls because these are some of the best ones. And hopefully they're entertaining and you'll learn something about it. And, and by the way, Scott, it's 2021. You're a little bit ahead of yourself. <laughs> okay. Well, there we go. 20. <laughs> You're a planner, though. You're always looking I'm into the future. <laughs> you are done. funny? You're done with this year. It it has been uh, it's been a it's been a, a rough year for for many many many, um, but the markets didn't seem to think so. Um, but this is the best of show. We're going to uh, play some of the best calls from 2021. But a quick reminder for the listeners in the terrestrial radio station of KOA in Denver. We will be leaving that marketplace at the end of the year, and you will be able to find us on your favorite podcast vehicle by going to Allworth's Money Matters or visiting our website, our website at allworthfinancial.com and signing up for our podcast. Yeah, and if you're not a normal podcast listener, it's, um, it's a great excuse for you to start being one. And allworthfinancial.com. I think we even have a tutorial there on how to – how to download and listen for those that um, are not haven't, haven't done a lot of podcast listening. So. We do. So the first call is from Karen in the Garden State of New Jersey. I hope you enjoy. Hi. Thank you so much for taking my call. Yes. Um, I think I have a pretty simple question, but um, I'll just lay it out for you here. My um, husband is planning to retire in August of next year. He'll be 62. And he will retire from his union job and start collecting his pension. And he's been able to save 130, around 130 in annuity. And we're just trying to figure out the best thing to do with that money. Um, Karen, is this an annuity? Um, is this like part of a 401k payroll deduct through work? Or is this on the side? An or is he a, a union laborer and they've been putting money into this particular account? Yes, that's he, the case. He's yes. a union labor. So it, 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 they call it an annuity, but for all intents and purposes, you can think about it as a 401k retirement or an IRA, savings account. a retirement savings account. It's just how okay. when, when he works a prevailing wage job, they put in X amount of dollars per hour that he works, correct? That's right. Okay. So when the rest of the listeners hear annuity – uh, that's what annuity, they call it, it intern internally, but it's not a commercial annuity, if you will. And he, so okay. he's he's retiring in sixty two. Are you are you confident that you are prepared for retirement? That you have enough dollars saved? Uh, well, I'm not going to retire, so I'm going to continue working, and I'll have a full income, and we have no mortgage. Um, Good so, for you. And he will do he will do some work, um, you know, part time work as well. And do you have any but money? Sa um, I'm sorry. Do you have any money saved outside of this um, retirement savings plan? Um, no, but we're hoping that that's 
what we can do as I continue to work. I mean, I am saving in my HSA, building that up for retirement, but uh, that's it right now. And so you're going to keep working. He's going to do part-time work. Your best bet is to let these dollars continue to grow um, as long as possible, right? What was his income? What, what, what will his income be for the year 2021? Um, probably somewhere between 40 and 50. And what will his pension be? He will collect, I believe it's about 800 a month. And then he's eligible for social security as well. Do you know what? Uh, Which, right. But we will wait on that one. And what, do you, what would his social security be if he retired today at age 62? Do you know what the payout would be on a monthly basis? Not that he should take it, um, but what would it be? Right, right. I believe it's maybe seven or eight hundred as well, or something like that. Yeah, probably Our a little higher than that. Yeah, it's probably my, my guess is it's probably around uh, twelve hundred. Well, the, uh, I'm the, not sure. We, we I looked at that, but you know, there's so many numbers they go in and out of my head. So I mean, yeah, I mean, let the, the thing about his. Go ahead. No, the longer you can let these dollars grow the better off you're going to be because it's not like you've got an abundance of retirement savings right now, right? You're still right. planning on working, mm-hmm. which is good. He's probably going to do some of this, some, some sort of part-time. If you can avoid tapping these dollars for as long as possible, you'll be setting yourself up for a more secure retirement in the future. And how should they invest right. it? And what should they do, Scott? Well, I mean, it, I, there's, I see no benefit in leaving it in this uh, union plan. You can transfer it out into a, uh, what's called an, an IRA. An IRA is not an investment. It's just how we title an account. You mentioned an HSA. HSA has some tax benefits, and it's used for a particular purpose, right? IRA is a similar yeah. type of thing. So an IRA rollover, you can set up an account through a financial, any, most any financial institution for that matter, and you could in, invest it in a variety of different types of things. But with the IRA, it maintains its tax-deferred nature. So when you transfer it to an IRA, there's no tax consequences by doing so. And you can let it continue to grow, and you'll only be taxed when the dollars are withdrawn in the future. Uh, and he doesn't – technically, he doesn't have to touch any of it until he hits age 72. Okay. And I would put that's, it in a – That's por- great. I'd put it in a portfolio that was approximately 60% uh, stocks and 40% bonds and cash. And you should seek out professional advice to allocate the portfolio. Right. That was the next question. Um, so with the, you know, the world the way it is, and we're just both concerned, you know, like everyone, that things could really crash. And if things crash, you know, we lose it all. And so part of, a, part of our thinking is we'd like to have that money, put it into a savings account, but we know that it, would be we'd have to pay a lot of tax on the money and we wouldn't make a lot back, but it would be safe. And so that's our thought. Well, when, so when you say lose it all, like I don't know anyone who, even if they were hundred percent in stocks in the financial crisis, lost it all if they were diversified. So just to kind of give an example, the Dow and the markets have been volatile lately, clearly. The Dow is roughly, what, 33,000, 34,000, somewhere in there. When I started in this industry in July of 1990, the Dow was at about 2,300, right? 2,300. That was the 30 companies that make up the Dow Jones Industrial Average. 
So it's it grew from okay. 2300 to 33,000 over the last 30 years. Now along with that, there's been some horrible periods, right? Like the financial crisis, right. market the stock broad stock market fell over 50%. It was a nasty short-term temporary experience. Same thing with the dot-com uh, implosion that we had in 2000. There was a 3-year period where it's very challenging for investors, but those who were diversified, the accounts dropped 45% uh, just the, their stock portion over that time. But then over the longer period of time, those those setbacks, are they've always been temporary and they've always been, um, what's followed has always been another kind of bull market where the markets are heading to, to new highs. Now, I clearly agree with you that we will see a downturn. We just don't know when, but they, they're going to come. So part of the key is making sure your investments are set up in such a manner to accomplish a couple of things, Karen. One is to, is to have some cash available should you need some dollars. So fully agree with you having some in some safe type investments makes sense. What, if you needed to get a new car or a new roof for the house or whatever, if, in case you needed to tap upon those, you want to be able to have that. But it, dollars that you're not going to spend for five plus years, I see greater yeah. risk and having it somewhere that's not even going to keep up with inflation than in having it somebody's get the highest probability of, of, of a good return. And what stocks do or equities is they protect you from inflation, but there is volatility. But remember you and your husband don't need to take any money out of this until you're age 72. And even then, if you have 40% of the portfolio in bond, let's say the market's down, you don't sell the, 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 the stocks you sell the bonds to take money out of the account. You don't take it out all at once. You take out a little at a time. So you'll be well served over the rest of your life to have a portfolio that has some exposure. Your natural tendency is, I don't want to lose anything. But what the danger is, is you lose purchasing power. And by the way, you said that you'll know you have to pay taxes. You can put an IRA, open an IRA, and you can put a savings account in that IRA. Yeah, you can have a savings account. My my IRA has a portion in savings, not very much, but there's a tiny bit in there that's in in a, in a in a FDIC insured account. Okay, so it's a all in one account. all in one account. You could have a variety of things. So all in one IRA rollover, okay. you could have whatever portion you feel comfortable to have it in an FDIC insured uh, account, and then you can invest in a variety of of things beyond that. Okay, that makes sense. So there's one last one last thing. Um, so. I don't know. There's people talking about like the banking industry crashing and stuff like that. So if, if something really, really bad happened like that, everybody would just, I mean, you know, so everyone. It's an interesting point. And, right? and for Pat and I've been doing this radio program for 26 years. And for those that were listening during the financial crisis, our mantra at that time was pretty much, look, if everything goes to zero, if, if, if the 500 largest companies in the United States all go, their value goes to zero it's not going to matter mm-hmm. where it's a reset, right? You're going to hope you have a lot of guns and maybe a little bit of gold or something, right? That's where, I mean, if things, if every large company, the value goes to zero, it's a reset for everybody. And the, okay. uh, the probability okay. of that happening, I, I mean, come on. Like, I guess we've okay. saw it with Russia okay. 20 Good. some years ago. But then again, it was a completely socialistic uh, society. I mean, it, I well, certainly don't expect that. And headed, we won't right? be completely socialistic for a number of years still. <laughs> Probably three. <laughs> three. 
Three? Yeah, that's not that many, right? <laughs> oh, I'm kidding. Yeah, I'm joking. I'm joking. We appreciate know, the call. All right, Karen. It, it, could, it could happen. We, so, we, but at any rate... All right. We wish um, we so wish it sounds like the best thing to do is to go ahead and put this money, take it out of where it is, put it in an IRA. Yeah. Um, and don't and make sure it's diversified and have a portion of it for savings for cash. Use a yeah. professional and absolutely do not buy an annuity from anyone at the bank or anyone that wants to sell you an indexed annuity or life insurance. Do not do that, please. Um, please. Okay. So that, I need to use a perfect, I won't do Well, that. you could do it yourself, but. She shouldn't do it herself. No, I think you'd be well served by having someone well help you. I have a professional. And it's it's not it's 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 in part of making sure it's set up properly based upon not only your goals but also with, with your what your needs are. It's also a part of some education so you can have a, a decent not, not not that you need to become an expert in these areas, but if you have some underlying knowledge of what's going on, it gives you some greater confidence, you can make better decisions, right? So having some sort of education. Yes. But then it's also, it's the guidance when when that downturn comes and every news report makes it feel like everything's going to zero and you you wake up in the middle of the night thinking, oh my gosh, our, our entire retirement savings is going to be wiped out if we don't do something. It's having that advisor who can help kind of, again, educate at that time, reassure and help guide you through those periods. And frankly, probably help you okay. increase your stock position when things are down. But second best of call was from Richard, and Richard's uh, trying to figure out where his money is going. Hi, frequent, long-time listener. Good. Even back to the Hansel McLean run for the hungry. Oh, oh, run to feed time. the hungry. This long is a, yeah, this is a run and. Started anyway, long time run that we yeah. Well, basically, to me, it was walk. It was walk for the hungry. Yes. Okay. Yes. So, <laughs> it, for the rest of the listeners, uh, it was with our involvement with the Sacramento Food Bank and Family Services, and we would host, sponsor a run that took place in Sacramento every Thanksgiving, and we had I think twenty thousand people. A lot of people would show up, and it was to raise money for the Sacramento yeah. Food Bank. But thank you for uh, participating in that, and thanks for calling our show. What can we do for you? Actually, I have a question about uh, costs, the true cost of investing with a, a money manager, because they all talk about their, you know, their fees, but there's also an intrinsic fee with the instruments that they put you into. Correct. Yes. And one of the things I found is like, it looks like mostly I've been with Baird and now with Fidelity, you know, they're mostly investing in mutual funds or some exchange traded funds. So you have, you know, costs involved with that. So how do you figure out? Well, you could, I mean, you could, I mean, it's, it's, there's, there's software programs that can pull, give that information in an instant to these advisors. So, I mean, you could ask, simply ask your advisor, like, Hey, what's the internal costs on these funds? And they should be able to look it up instantly and, 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 and pull that number out. You know, ETFs are almost free anymore. I mean, you're talking about two one hundredths of a percent. I mean, it's uh it's uh, those are almost free. So, but it's interesting. You mentioned two firms. You mentioned Baird and Fidelity, and you're using them both right now. No, no, I I, I left Baird because they uh, their their fees were higher, and then but I didn't meet a certain mutual a certain level because of something happened. They actually the fees actually kind of went up, and it seemed kind of high relative to what I'd. Oh, got it. Got it. So it's interesting. If you look at your, and we're not, we're not saying anything positive nor negative about but Baird. So. If you look right. at your Fidelity account, 
do you find quite a bit of fidelity, uh, mutual funds in your fidelity account? Right, but some of them are pretty low fees, you know, even the low in Vanguard. And are you are you paying an advisory fee as well? Yes. And, See, that's a, there's a, I mean, that's a, it's, they're conflicted. A, a total conflict there, right? Right. And so, I mean, look, we do we do business with Fidelity. We, we do business with a lot of the big companies. We custody some of our assets with a division of Fidelity. But the challenge when you have an investment advisor that is charging you a fee to be a fiduciary to act in your best interest, and then they also have their own products that are putting you in, in inside your portfolio. It's like there's that internal. No, no matter how great of job they they're gonna they they intend to do for you and how strong their ethics are, they've still have this conflict. Yeah. Right. A well, bias. They, they, they do kick back some, you know, they, they make this obvious too. They do kick back some, some of that back to the, you know, to the investor as well. Oh, so they have an you offset like. on some of these funds. Yes. Yes. They credit you. Oh, that's interesting. The other reason I also want fidelity is because my, my 401k and my wife's 403b were with fidelity already. So it's kind of a pain in the ass when you're trying to figure out what your total worth is. You got to go to multiple websites. I tend to be lazy, so (laughs) it's good to know yourself. It's good to know yourself. So your question is what? Well, in terms of figuring out what my total, my my actual total cost is. The reason is, is uh, I also my my favorite journal is Consumer Reports, Mm -hmm. and they also you talk about. Well, this is true in general. You know, most investors or most invest, you know, investing companies, they tend to regress to the mean. You go find someone over a five-year period, it's going to look great, but you don't know necessarily they're going to be great in the next five-year period. That's right. So assuming... And if they are, maybe it's just pure luck. Exactly. Or random chance. Yes. So, you know, assuming that most invest, you know, investment companies, investors are going to tend to be about the same, you know, if you minimize costs, then you'll do better, especially if you have a you know a retirement window. Yeah. So if you know, if your financial right advisor, thing, yeah. if your your financial advisor is purely providing investments, cost is a huge factor. If it's yeah. if it's overall uh, wealth management, financial planning, where there's tax guidance, estate planning issues, all those other things, uh, sequence of uh, of distributions, then it's a completely different story. Number one and number two. Um, I mean, obviously, uh, we're conflicted because we are professional investment advisors. And we believe that there's value in what we do. If you look at the studies that show how individual investors do on their own, they do, oh, they do subs- much worse. Do, do much worse. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they, they obviously talk about, you know, if you miss like the 10 best days of the market, even over a 10-year period, you're going to be. So, so I mean, so. What is your question for us? So the, 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 I think we answered this question. So if you want to yeah. actually know, so yours, yours is a little bit difficult because what happens is I assume that they're if rebating. In fact, if in fact, that's the way it's happening. If they're rebating uh, any of the fees. So let's just say one mutual fund charges a half a percent, but they really think they should only charge a quarter percent and they rebate the fees to you. Then you take that net number and you use that in order to compare. So if you, if you sent us your portfolio today, we could tell you exactly how much the internal fees are on the meat. As on the should your, your advisor at Fidelity should, should be able to do. Or any decent advisor. You take all of about three minutes. Yeah, it's simple. Okay. And they could actually give it to you in a weighted average is what you're interested in and an overall dollar cost. Yeah. And then and you if, can and compare if you it. find that you're not getting value – for the cost. I mean, that's what it really comes down to, right? I mean, it's whether it's it's enriching your life or not. 
And if it's not enriching your life, then you've got to question that relationship and the fee. No, I have to say they've been doing okay. I mean, there it was a smaller, it was a smaller uh, interface, yeah. so I'd have more access to my investment advisors. But Fidelity, it's a little bit harder. But I mean, I have my local guy, and then I have their guy out in Utah who does more manage the actual investments that Fidelity does, or passes that on to me. Got it. All and, right. And, and, was, and by the way, this isn't. This is Richard's opinion of these two uh, firms, yeah, yeah. Baird and Fidelity. <laughs> yeah. We have no opinion one way or the other. Actually, I do have an opinion. I'm just not going to share it. Although the, the the reality that the conflicts do exist on both those platforms. Um, anytime you work, anytime you have an investment advisor, investment advisor relationship, and that firm manufactures their own products, unless it's just pure index because they're not actually managed. If they manufacture their own products. There's always the, conflict. Yeah, then wh- they they might favor their own products because is it is it because it's in your best interest or it's because in their best interest or they think oh it's going to be good for you anyway and it's going to be good for us or it's a conflict. But but it can be. But I shop at Costco. In fact, my, my wife has her own parking spot there. They Kirkland brand is. Um, we just buy Kirkland brand. You see Kirkland brand, you buy Kirkland brand because you know it's similar. And probably less expensive than the name brand. It's a little different when you're buying. First of all, you're making the choices on your own. That's correct. Right? That's right. I don't have a a personal shopper at Costco. Uh, If you had a personal, and by the way, we appreciate your call. If you had a personal shopper at Costco. And they. And you went to pick up your basket and it was, you had ordered Kraft macaroni and cheese and you got Kirkland macaroni and cheese. Mm -hmm. You would think. First thing I'd think is, you're not 12 anymore. Why are you eating macaroni and cheese? <laughs> <laughs> That's the first thing I, I think. And the second with, thing. With hot dogs. With the hot, you get the Costco hot dog and the mac and cheese. Very nutritious meal. Right. Because I'm not 12 anymore. I've moved on. Um, but Fair. your point is well taken, which is the manufacturer. You've got someone acting as a fiduciary selling in their own manufactured goods. Um Point well taken. Yeah. So. Uh, poor analogy on my part. Yeah. But absolutely. I always like talking about Costco. <laughs> I know you do. <laughs> I don't like going there personally. My wife asked me if I wanted to go yesterday. And? I said no. I don't like going in the store. I don't like shopping most places. Yeah. But Costco, it, I love people, just not too many at once. Right? <laughs> and that's what you go to Costco. And regardless of how crowded or non-crowded it is, the line is pretty much the same because they just keep shutting down the checkout registered <laughs> so there's like three open you're there early in the morning think you're going to breathe the line you're still flying there this is line it's just going to be lined they learned that from disneyland if you're listening to best of calls of 2021 all worth money matters for our christmas special we'll be right back
Can't get enough of Allworth's Money Matters? Visit allworthfinancial.com slash radio to listen to the Money Matters podcast. Welcome back to Allworth's Money Matters. Scott Hansen, Pat McLean. Thanks for joining us in our second half of the show. Yeah, and this is a uh, pre-recorded because Christmas time, and we are listening to some best of calls. Charles, Charles got an unusual question about retiring outside the U.S. It has become quite popular for many retirees to retire outside the U.S. So we thought you would enjoy listening to this again. I'm approximately two years away from retirement, and I'm looking at moving out of the country and retiring in Southeast Asia. Okay. And my Which country? I'm looking at Thailand. <clears throat> so, when I, my question is I have a 401k that uh has approximately $130,000 in it and I'm thinking of using it to buy a condo over in Van. How old are you? I am 64. And where will your income come from when, once you retire? I have, uh, uh, basically, I'm going to get Social Security, approximately 2500 And I have an annuity with an income writer of uh, 250000 What's the income writer? Um, it would bring me $1,000 a month. And are you single? I'm single. How long ago did you purchase this annuity? Uh, five years ago. So, and how much would the house cost you? Um, approximately, at the very, probably at the most, 100000 for a nice uh, one-bedroom condo over there. And do you own a home here? I own a condo in Sacramento, uh, and it's paid clear. And what would you do with that condo when you moved to Southeast Asia? I'm thinking I would rent it out here so I can make a little income off of that. And what's the value of the condo? Uh, 160000 And how much income does it produce? Nothing now you're living if in. If I was to, to rent it, I could probably uh, rent it out now for about uh, 1300 1400 a month. What did you pay for it? I paid... Uh, uh, sickening 20, 30,000 for it. Oh my. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I the, a, let's talk I about that. A short let's talk about that real quick. So if you sell, let's say it's two years from now you're retired. If you sold that condo, all that capital gain that you just $130,000 of capital gain is forgiven because it's been your primary residence. If you convert okay. that to a, an investment property, and down the road you sell it, all that gain is going to be taxable to you, unless you unless you own it till you die. The challenge well, that's, with that's I, I, I like where you're going with this. The, the challenge with the four hundred one k is that it's although it says it's one hundred thirty thousand, it's not really one hundred thirty thousand, right. especially if you take it out all in one year. You've got a silent right. a silent partner. I, someone's got to pay pay for this COVID relief bills, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> but the challenge the challenge is that tax on that. 130,000 might be anywhere from 12% to 30% depending on how much you take in any one year. And what right. other assets are there in the uh the household? 
Um, that's about it. I have all I have um, uh, savings with twenty five k. Okay. So uh, so um, so. It, it, I mean, a, I wish all your savings wouldn't tie him to this annuity. Yeah, but but Scott, but that's right. the first place I'd go because he's got a he bought it five years ago. I'm sixty four. Yeah, he bought it five years ago. There's a surrender charge on it. It's probably seven years, right? So there's so many ways. You got to look at that annuity. There's so many ways you could. The first place I would go is the annuity. The second place I would go is if I couldn't. 100%. The second place I would go if I couldn't do the annuity would be uh, probably taking a, a new mortgage if you continue to decided to hold this condo, which may or may not be the right thing based on tax, and that you'd have to decide that you're probably going to own this until your dying day. And I have no idea what foreign ownership of condos in Thailand, the rules, the local rules are. Oh, under, understood, but the right. condo that he's oh, got, got living in now, whether to convert it to a rental or not, but what would be wrong with actually um, either taking the money out of the annuity, which is, by the way, the first place I would look. First place. I wouldn't even, wouldn't go further than that. If Unless there were big penalties on this annuity, um, depending upon how bad the damage is, which is one of the reasons we don't like annuities is because they're expensive mm -hmm. many times, not always, but many times to get out of. You, there, the other technique you could do is you could take a new mortgage out on the existing condo while you live in it. Yep. Right. And then you could actually use the distributions from the IRA over periods of years in order to pay that mortgage yeah. down. So have your 401k, let's say the mortgage payment's 600 bucks a month, have the 401k, take the same 600 bucks a month out of that 401k to make that mortgage payment. And that way you're not driving yourself up into like a higher marginal idea. record. But, 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 you got to look at the annuity. But, but my guess is that it may be a combination of two of these. But the first place, if you were sitting in my office, you gotta, I mean, that, sometimes you, that, that annuity, the, the benefits might be significant enough that it, he's single to actually keep it there. I know, but he only bought it five years ago, and it's got a guaranteed minimum income benefit rider on it, Very which isn't, which is, which is sounds. And he said it's a thousand dollars a month on a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar annuity, Go which see. is four percent. So you need you need to you need to sit down with a financial advisor and dig through all this stuff. Yeah, yeah. if you were sitting, not in, someone is going to sell you an annuity. Yeah, product, yeah. If you were sitting in my office, I know exactly the 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 chain of questions I would go through. First would be the annuity. How, what's the cost to get out? What's the value of the GMIB, the guaranteed minimum income benefit? What is the cost of that? If if it's not too expensive to get out of that, then we would just hit the annuity. Pay cash for the house in Southeast Asia, Thailand. Call it a day. Right. Then we discuss the uh, the tax implications of keeping converting the condo into a rental property. And the, the challenge, ups and downs with the annuity, there could be the, the problem with these contracts. They're so complex, and everyone's different. But sometimes, if you take out more than say ten percent of the contract, it collapses all the the guarantees that you've got built in place. So you've got a you've got a, that's why they're they're really easy to get in. They're hard to get out of. So you got to be. Okay. So we're not big fans of those products because but, of some of these reasons. But, the last, but now you own it. So but, now the best. Now we got to figure out the best way to manage. But it. the question you called with is, can I use my four hundred one k? Be the last place I'd go. It'd be the last place I went. Okay. The last Good. place. Um, and there's a odds are either one or two things. My opinion. If you're my brother, I'd say either sell that condo here and use those dollars, or get a mortgage on it. Probably now, while rates are low, we know what they are. Yep. Right. Then let's take a distribution once you retire from that 401k to cover that mortgage payment. Yep. 
and or the annuity. Take a distribution yeah, from and well, or one the annuity. Of the reason I was trying to keep the condo is because in Thailand, if things change or you know when they the change, world change in the future, I could always come back. Okay, well then you answered the question yeah, there. Then definitely now we it. strike that one off the list of alternatives. So now we're down to. Right, you're not going to sell the condo. Do you do you, do you put collateral? Use the condo as collateral, um, or just take the or take the money I out mean, of the annuity. Of it, if your annuity has been aggressively invested, markets are high. Good time to t- take some cash out. That's probably where you'll end up. But it, it, you got to look through all these things and really dig in to see what. If you take the money out of the annuity, what are the costs? Not just costs and surrender costs. What are the costs as far as what's it going to do to the guaranteed income benefit that you've yeah. got built in there? Which so, is, right. but the answer to your question is no on the 401k. Don't take a lump sum on that. You won't have enough money. The taxes will eat you alive on it. It'll be disastrous. So. All righty. You can't take it in one year. It just does not work well. So glad you called Charles. Alejandro joins us in one of our best of. And the reason we chose this call is because of uh, pending legislation regarding the windfall elimination provision and how it interacts with people's Social Security. So there is a lots of discussion in Congress, although there's always lots of discussion in Congress, but this one is they're trying to figure out if they should get rid of the windfall elimination provision, which just reminds us always that in financial planning, Almost as soon as you put a plan in place, it can be outdated based upon legislative action. Hi, Scott. Hi, Pat. How you guys doing today? We're great. Thank you. Uh, thank you guys for taking my call. Uh, so I'm uh, 33 years old. I work for uh, a law enforcement department uh, here in Sacramento County. And uh, we're one of the law enforcement departments that actually pay into Social Security. Uh, we have our pension as well. We have uh, I'm the 2.7 at 57. And I guess my question is, uh, is my pension going to like knock out my social security in the future uh, with the windfall elimination? Not if you're contributing. You guys- the windfall elimination occurs oh. when people are not contributing to social security. And they had contributed at some point in the past. So it typically okay. applies okay. to in the what you see it mostly is in the state of California is teachers, not administrators, but teachers. And even that varies okay. from okay. district to district. But Two point seven at age fifty-seven. What may knock out your social security is changes in tax law, or changes mm-hmm. in uh, how they measure your need for social security. So you're talking twenty-four okay. years in the future. Well, how old are you today? Yep, it's thirty-three. Thirty-three. Uh, so you're talking about yeah, it's, it's twenty-four a ways away. <laughs> years until not, you retire. No, plan your retirement for no social security. Plan your retirement as if you're not going to get a dime in social security. Yeah, that's my thoughts. I figured Social Security would just be a cherry on top. Yeah, I put into uh, I put into my Roth, and then I'm opening a Roth IRA. But uh, and then I have my pension, of course. Um, yeah, I just figured Social Security would be yeah. a bonus on top. Uh, but I, I I had heard that there was an option of opting out of Social Security. Is that something that's even possible, or is that just? It's not by an individual, and that time has passed years and years ago. This is uh, a okay. little archaic okay. to the state of California. Certain departments at the state of California decided to opt out. But not all did. Okay. So if your department did not opt out, 
Um, yeah, and all so, of Sacramento County's uh, law enforcement, I guess, still pays. Still that's straight. right. That's right. And so you've got 32 years before you actually are eligible for Social Security under the current rules, mm-hmm. age 65. But I expect that it will be 67 or 68 or 69 by the time you get there. And you're retirement eligible at age uh, 57. So obviously you've got some time in there. Are you in the are you frontline law enforcement? Are you in the street? Yes, sir. Yeah, Thank, I, you. I'm, uh, Thank you. I'm a cop. Thank you. Oh, thank, thank you. you. It is a tough, 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 tough job right now. Um, I have a, a yeah, friend. Definitely. <laughs> I have a friend yeah. that recruits for uh, law enforcement, and it, they're they're struggling to get people uh, to join the force uh, for yep, two I've reasons. Yeah, I've heard of a lot of people retiring early because of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah because of what's thing. going on in the yeah. world. Well, we appreciate you being there. Yeah, we would be a world of hurt. Thank you very without, much. Um, without people like yourself, so thank you and appreciate the call. Yeah, what would the <laughs> What, 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 well, we'll see. We'll see. We'll what, see what? what? What it's like without as much law enforcement. The, 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 some of the experiments in different cities will tell us how it's going to work here in the next year or two. And Social Security, if you're young, Social Security, the, the trust fund's going to be broke by 2030, 2031, 2032, depending on, it's not very many years. It's nine years out now before we're going to, we don't have enough money coming in to, to cover those expenditures if you're 20 years away from social security plan on it not being there for you you have to you have to yeah because the reality is if you actually make a good living and save well there will be uh most likely there will be needs-based testing in order to determine what's who knows really what's going to happen but you're you're better off to plan like it's not going to be there and if you get something great and the last call in our best of is Brian in Virginia. And uh, Brian wants to talk about savings for the future, college education, and whether he should pay down his mortgage. Guys, thanks so much for taking my call. Thank you. Um, I've got my question is really about um, sort of the competing interests that I, as a young ish parent, have in saving for retirement, saving for college for my two kids, paying down my own debts, and how to sort of prioritize my marginal dollar with those competing interests. So, so maybe I'll sort of describe where I am with those and, and yeah. I would love your advice. So, so I'm 40 years old. Um, wife and I have two children, 11 and eight. Um, so elementary school, um, have been saving, have about $80,000 already saved in 529s for them. And at the rate we're saving, um, we're, you know, we're on track for inflation adjusted in-state you know, full being able to cover an in-state school fully for both of them, which is great. Okay. Um, so the so that's one variable. Um, have about four hundred thousand dollars saved in um, between four hundred one k's, Roth IRAs, and together we probably are, we're not maxing out, but we're saving about ten to twelve percent of our income. Are you a are, are you are you an engineer? I'm a lawyer, actually. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Well, when you said that you had 529,80,000 and you actually inflation mapped it, adjusted. inflation adjusted, <laughs> I, fe- I yeah, thought, yeah. well, there's nothing we're going to do to help you much on this phone call. <laughs> but but well, we're, well, validate. Okay. I, we'll validate. We'll okay. validate. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, um, so that's where on the retirement side, you know, I've got, I'm not maxing out, but I feel okay about the trajectory we're on and those savings. The, the On the flip, so those are sort of the, on the investment side, on the debt side, you know, I've got, I just refinanced my mortgage when rates went so favorably last fall. I'm at 
2.8%. Uh, it's a 30-year, but I'm paying on a 20-year uh, rate of pay to just to try to avoid some interest. Mm-hmm. Um, I still got about thirty-five or forty thousand dollars in law school debt. That's about four uh, percent, and then I've got about a year's worth of living expenses if I never needed it for emergencies, sitting in a brokerage account. And so okay. I'm sitting there going, "Well, do I keep throwing money into that brokerage account if I have leftover at the end of the month? Do how, I how much did pay you... down the law school? Do I throw into you know where do I where do I put that marginal dollar? So so are you so, maximizing your Roths? Are you able to do a Roth? No, or I'm, backdoor I'm, Roth? I'm not. I, no, I could backdoor. I have not backdoored, but I am income ineligible for Roth. Yeah. Okay. So you you know how yeah. backdoor Roth works, and you can only do, it only works I if do. you don't have I any do. other IRAs. Do you believe that the current administration will forgive any of your student loan debt? I don't think. I mean, for me, frankly, I don't think they should. If they do anything, that should. That's not. I, I would think it should be. I, well, I, well, let me put it this way. I think that in, uh, if they do something, it will be income based, and I wouldn't. I would not expect being eligible. For example, I'm not eligible to deduct my student loan interest on my taxes because I'm because of the income. Yes. Based All right. So here's what I would have actually considered when I refinanced the mortgage. I would have actually considered taking another forty grand out and lumping it up. I against, probably would too. And I'm, I hate taking money out of mortgages. But he's but he's so disciplined yeah. in it. Uh, it. My recommendation would have been. Well, I'm sorry. I should have added. I also I have an equity line open, and I've got uh, that's at you know prime minus a quarter, so it's very low. I did it. I opened it for a for a renovation on the home. It's got about a twenty eight thousand dollar balance on, but I've got a hundred and twenty additional cash available to me. If I, I would pay. To what I that. would do, I would use that to pay off that student loan. I would I would discontinue my twenty year amortization that's on right. the home for this period of time. I make. All the chunk, the extra against the home equity line of credit, which you use to pay off the student loan. And and when you think about what I've experienced with uh, families, saving for retirement, by the time the kids are in college, typically the family income relative basis is higher than it was when the kids were 8 and 11. They're further along in their career, right? Think, think out another 10 years from now. You'll probably be more valuable than you are today. Figure a way to the market to compensate for that. So paying for some uh, incremental expenses in in college, you've already gotten used to paying for the car insurance, the automobile. I mean, right. Right. It, right. It, 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 I think it sounds like, I mean, you've run the numbers. It sounds like you're on track. Um, anything we do now is just kind of fine tuning. and. Yeah. Is there anything about um, the way that financial aid analysis works that should inform whether you try to pay off your mortgage faster versus throwing extra cash into, you know, how, yeah, there, how I, your assets. There are, are but are uh, pop, your income level is probably at the point where you don't even qualify. I didn't even fill out the FASCA for whatever the thing was going to. And uh, yeah. Okay. I, I actually, okay. yes, I actually, yes. Um, I, one of my kids, I called and said, you know, I need a discount because you give everyone a discount. They asked for me to send my tax return in order to get it. I'm like, okay, well, I tried. <laughs> It was a private school. Um, in this situation, I think that we could make an argument at that the cost of money at 4% for law school. And the 529s, I could actually make an argument that you push 100% of those 529s into equities um, and that you actually don't make contributions to the 529s until the law school debt is paid off that line of credit. Really? Yeah. So that's so interesting because the way I've always thought about it, and this may be dead wrong, is that if the interest, you know, I always rather pay 
to put money towards something that has the power of compounding interest as opposed to yeah. something that's a debt that has a simple amortization schedule. Ah, but the debt's uh, – Is that the wrong, is that the wrong way to kind. think about it? Well, think about but, it. The borrower is the slave to the lender, and it never feels that way when things are going well. But the other side of it is there's – I would – I bet there's bond in your portfolio somewhere that pays a lower yield than – That's right. The cost of money of 4%. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So get more aggressive in that, in that fund, in, so, in those 529s. Yeah, exactly. So all we're trying to do is actually just get rid of that 4% cost of money. You know, and we, there was a window where you could have actually, the, the, the reality is those are cleaning up around the corners and, and we don't even know the outcome because there's so many other variables. I mean, I'd give this a, a solid a, a plus on planning. I really would. Yeah. We're just, we're nitpicking now. Yeah, really. <laughs> well, you. I think keep you doing what you're and, doing. You don't have anything to worry about. You got ca- well, look at it. I mean, you got cash set aside. You've got you're yeah. doing a great job funding your kids' education. You're saving ten percent for retirement. You might want to save for a little more for retirement sometime in the future. You don't have an extravagant. Your lifestyle is little is less than what you could could swing based on your income. We right. didn't even ask your income, but I can just tell. I, I think you're in good shape. I wouldn't right. go worry yeah. about it. Something else. Well, you- Get better at your golf game. <laughs> well, or something. thank God. Well, that does need some work. Um, um, I, I close with one other question, the one that you posed to me at the top, which is, you know, I've been deferring thinking about paying off these loans early because maybe the administration's going to do something on that. I, it doesn't seem likely to me, but do you guys have a view about that? I don't think it. it uh, I think it will probably be income based, but they're even talking about ten thousand dollars off everybody. everyone for everyone, yeah, just so like right. off the top. So who knows? Right? It kind of made me feel bad that I didn't get student loan. My kids, I didn't make them take out student loans. I know. Right? Where's the equity? We hope you've enjoyed some of the calls today as we are broadcast here on Christmas Day. And I know our podcast listeners listen to other times, but it's been great being with you. Uh, it's been, um, I hope everyone has a great holiday season and uh, we'll see you next year. This has been Allworth Money Matters. This program has been brought to you by Allworth Financial, a registered investment advisory firm. Any ideas presented during this program are not intended to provide specific financial advice. You should consult your own financial advisor, tax consultant, or estate planning attorney to conduct your own due diligence.